0: Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? We back again, baby. Yes, sir. We are back again with another edition of the Class In Session podcast. I am your host, Logan Taylor, and my amazing co-host, my partner in crime, my brother, Mr. Dante Hampton. And we got a special guest for you all today. Dante, can you introduce our special guest?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we got uh, Ronald Burgess Jr. Um, He's from Miami. But he does a lot of work now, currently in Western Mass, up north. Um, he's an educator. Uh, he does a lot of stuff on substance abuse and disorders for youth and adults. Um, he began working in the like addiction field in the, in college, and um, it's just something that grew on him, and that he felt like that was his calling. Um, he also is a speaker as well, do a lot of motivational videos as well. Um, Ronald, g- give him a few things about yourself, man, if you don't mind. Just tell them a little bit more about yourself. Ron, are you in
2: here? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. How we doing fellas?
1: We, we're my right, man. We're all right, man. Uh, just just tell the just tell the audience uh and our listeners a little bit more about yourself, how you got into your calling and the things you do.
2: Uh, Well, I'm Ron Burgess, um, the CEO and the founder of the Ronald A. Burgess Jr. Foundation. And I'm also a family engagement specialist, you know, and I work closely and hand in hand with um, the Department of Children and Families. Um, You know, so with with that being said, the way I got into my calling is I'm a 34 year old man that met his father at the age of 27. So not too long ago. Um, My father suffered from addiction and mental health. um, But one day he chose to say I'm going to go find my adult son. And, and um, he found me and um, we this close to this day. So um, I, I realized that there's some other youth, young men, um, that father may be in recovery, addiction, whatever the circumstances may be that probably got that same story, so to speak. But I also realized that um, there are some young men in the world that their father may never come. You know, so, um, it's equipping those young men and um, helping them understand that they pass and the circumstances don't define them.
1: That's what's up, man. That's what's up, man. C- congrats to you as well, man, um, for you finding your father. Hopefully, one day for me, you know, so I actually found mine, um, mine was released here recently, probably a couple years ago, um, but we haven't made that connection. So I su- I salute you for that. Um, that's yep. really groundbreaking uh, for a lot of people out there, especially ones who who seek that. Um, sure. But how did you, how did you even get into like the education field and things? that where did it start at?
2: Um well you know right now I'm in Worcester Mass so it's like you know 25 30 miles outside of Boston um and I came up to play football get out of get kind of get out of the environment I was in for a little bit um my high school coach ended up getting a coaching job at the college Becker College and um that's kind of where it started at one of my wide receiver buddies came to me um you know work study don't pay enough so one of my uh college buddies came to me and said he worked with some youth in recovery um at a detox center for youth 12 to 17. um and do i want a job and it kind of started from there man and i got into the recovery and addiction field you know as a um kind of floor staff occupational therapist you know just making sure they shower take care of adls and you know running little groups um In it for the money only at that point, (laughs) in in all honesty, you know what I mean? I'm not even thinking about to meet my dad. You know, um, I'm about to learn about recovery and, um, you know, and stuff like that, be equipped efficiently for him to actually step into my life so um, it can be a good outcome.
1: Okay, okay. That's what's up, man. Um, So, do you work directly with the schools as well? or- So how how did that come about, that situation, as far as you partnering with the the school districts up there?
2: In regards to the schools, the way it worked, I started out with the youth, like I said, you know, at the college level, you know, um, doing entry level work. Um, Through that, through college, I actually was the first person in my college's history, Becker College, to sign a pro football contract. I played in the AFL for one year um, and I played for Team America for two years. Um, I got signed to Team America in the first person in my college history to get right invited to an all-star game so um you know from from that happening um then football being over you know what i mean um and then my dad walking to my life after that um you know it it, it really began to to help me step in my purpose so then that's what led to the rdj foundation the ronald a burgess jr foundation um you know learned something to to, to really help these kids and the youth of platform um, and, and once I launched that, I began to get into the school, especially with my nonprofit, collaborate with the schools, helping them understand I can kind of foster academic success through motivation um, and inspiration and um, helping them understand that they have a story. Um, it's, and relationships is big too, because one of the biggest youth facilities that support us and that we support is the motivating youth recovery center where I started at college. You know what I mean? Um, and we go there every two weeks. We facilitate our workshops um, with the youth. It's a detox. You have youth that are um, from THC to opiates, IV. You know what I mean? Um, you know, 12 years old using opiates. You know, so um we go there, and we facilitate these workshops, these motivational workshops that, um, as YB Normal knows and is famous for, the social emotional learning aspect of it. You know what I mean? Really, really helping the kids. Um, it, it's it's only two ways, two ways to help the youth. It's only two ways to to stop gun violence. It's only two ways to, 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 to stop you judging one another. It's only two ways. Um, and I always tell people that, and I stand on that firmly. And one way is just stopping them. Let's hold them down and stop them. <laughs> That's impossible, though. Um, we was kids, you know what I mean? So we go in there, we talk about that. Um, and another way is really helping them build a mindset. The motivational aspect. Once again, what YB Normal is famous for, right? Because if we can strengthen that mindset when, when the guns come to you and, and and all the addictive behaviors, you can be strong enough to say no. You know what I mean? You could develop sufficient amount of coping skills, suitcase full of coping skills um, to pull them out that suitcase. kind of apply them to make sure you don't engage in those unhealthy behaviors or bad choices you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah definitely do man yeah most definitely i think that that's big man i think in order to in order to help our youth right um first like you said there's two things and i would like to of course you know piggyback off of that i think you know we have to make sure that we expose them to something different right Um, Of course, because they have been exposed to trauma, right? Like, you know, where me and Dante come from, there's not many of us that make it out to be successful unless, you know, their mindset is, is that I either play sports or I sell drugs, right? And I join a gang and and things of that nature. Um, And so I think being able to expose um, you know our scholars and our youth to something different right like hey listen I know this isn't what you're accustomed to but hey let me show you what the stock market is let me show you what real estate is let me show you what logistics is what logistics is and the different arenas around logistics and things of that nature like Dante is a logistics broker and an expert he's been in it for you know quite some time. I think at least over a decade, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he can tell you the ins and outs of all of, the, of all of those different things. And he's exposed, you know, the kids that have gone in our program, he has exposed them to something different. Right. Like we have a kid. Uh, we, we had a kid that was in our program and he was extremely, extremely good with his hands. Right. He was in the he was in the fifth grade and he knew how to change a tire. He knew how to change a tire in the fifth grade. So when me and Dante would have conversations with him or, you know, we would talk to him, things started clicking for us. And we were like, hey, we need to get him in front of other people that are good with their hands. Right. He knows how to work on cars. How did he learn how to do that? By hanging with his grandfather. So what do we need to do? We need to maximize that. And so that's what me and Dante started doing is that we started maximizing those opportunities so that that way that kid could be able to flourish in his strengths, right? And not focus on the weaknesses by focusing on the trauma or, you know, um, survival mode and things of that nature, right? So I think, like you said, it's one of two things. And I think being able to have those resources and exposing our babies uh, to something different and we can start moving in the right direction right like we i mean let's think about it like we we have the money and the resources and things of that nature but i think that one you know you have to you got to get people have to get out of their own way right like we can't make it about us we can't make it about you know why be normal or the rbj you know what i'm saying foundation we can't make it about united way or you know the uh, community foundation or whoever the case may be like, we got to make it about these babies and we got to be intentional and we got to work with each other, right? Like there can't be no ego. There can't be no pride. Like we got to be able to work with each other because it's enough out here for all of us to make an impact and add value. So, I mean, I, bro, I listen, man, like we can tell you stories upon stories upon stories. And, you know, I really appreciate what you do, Ron, because, you know, it's not many like you, man. It's not many like you at all. And so, you know, I want to give you your flowers and tell you thank you, bro, for what you do. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for adding value to our babies. Thank you for for answering the calling, right? Anybody that comes on our show, we want to make sure that we give them flowers. So, again, man, I just want to say thank you. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, man.
2: Likewise, bro. Likewise. You know what I mean? Like you said, um, it ain't about, you know, the, the RBJ Foundation or, or YB Normal. Um, and, and I said that in one of the speeches. Um, it ain't. This ain't about doing better than nobody. It's about being better for everybody. Um, you know, I mean, that's when humbleness comes into play, and in everything. You know what I mean? So, um, give you y'all, y'all flowers too, man.
0: Love, bro. Appreciate it. So, let me for ask sure. you this: um, What is a common myth about your job um, or your field of expertise with you doing the work that you do? Right? Like, what is a common myth? Like when you first started. Or some things that you may have heard now with you being in it for so long. What is a common myth where you're like, yo, like this can't be serious? Like for real? Like this is what they think we do, or this is what they believe we do?
2: Um, one one of the common myths is um we we enable. We enable the youth. That's that's big, right? We enable the youth. That's literally one of the common myths in the field I work, and I, I say that because addiction is looked at as a choice nowadays, sadly but it's not. Uh, addiction is a disease. You know what I mean? Nobody, no youth in their right mind in that detox I was telling y'all about choosing addiction. You know what I mean? So so in a lot of cases, a lot of family members or recovery supports, um, you're enabling them to feel like they can continue these behaviors because you're telling them it's a disease. When in all reality, he making bad choices. He chose that and 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 it's my job as a family engagement specialist to to connect with that family within 48 hours and, and and educate them and say he ain't choose to do that nobody chooses addiction you know what i mean and um sometimes it's tough because they've been stolen from um the the morals mom is still in them kind of went down the drain because the addiction is so severe you know what i mean they stopped going to church um, and, and it's my job to connect with those parents, bro and, and, and help them understand like I met my dad. My dad was that person in addiction, man, and, and, and look what we had. Like, there's hope, you know what I mean, for you and your family. So that's that's one of the biggest myths is people feel we and we really enable the youth, um, by by telling them, educating them. It's a fact. Addiction is a disease. <laughs> you know that I mean? it's it's been proven and I got um I, I I've somewhat figured out the number one way to um, educate people on this. You know what I mean? And um, the number one way I say is um, we got to treat addiction like it's diabetes or or cancer. You know what I mean? And with cancer, my friend used nicotine. And I say, man, you choose to have cancer one day? He say, no. Why you say that? I say, because you're using nicotine excessively. He say, but who choosing to have cancer, man? Like, I say, but you know the consequences, right? Like, if you continue to use this nicotine, you could develop cancer. He said, yeah, I know the consequences, but I ain't using nicotine saying I'm choosing because I want to get cancer. So, you know, it's relaxing, whatever the case may be. Man, that friend calls me later down the road and he says, Ron, I found out I got cancer, man. Um, From the cigarettes, excessive tobacco use let's keep in mind i asked him back then you choose to have cancer one day do you want it he said no man who chooses that remember the cancer wasn't his choice in that in that kind of scenario his choice was to engage in excessive tobacco use the cancer developing from that isn't his choice or not you know what i mean he knew about the consequences I can go at all those youth in that recovery center and we talk about what's the consequences if you continue these behaviors. They're going to tell you them all. Just like my friend had to tell you what was the consequences before he developed cancer from the nicotine. You know what I mean? So it's helping them develop that understanding that we want to treat that. You know what I mean? And cancer is a chronic illness. You can go into remission. You know what I mean? Like addiction, the same thing. Someone can relapse. You know, so it's, it's really educating these families, man. Um, and I use the same example with diabetes. Nobody chooses to be a diabetic. You know, I'm going to say, you don't exercise or eat healthy. They're going to say, I know that. I, I just don't eat salad like you. You know what I mean? And, and you know, but I, I don't want to choose to be a diabetic. I know about it's potentially, but I ain't choosing that. They called me later down the road and say I got diabetes. It was never their choice. You know what I mean? I asked them. <laughs> they said no. Their choice was not to eat healthier exercise though. You know what I mean? And that's sufficient enough to say, hey, I know this is a disease, but I still want you to be held accountable, young one, because you made an initial choice that kind of resulted in it. You know what I mean? But but addiction is a disease, man. And we try to educate the families that um we gotta look at it that way. And if you look at it that way, family, you can really um foster some hope and keep that hope alive.
0: I love that. I love that. That's good. So what are, it's funny you say that about making a choice, right? What are some best practices or strategies, right? um, That you could give to um, our listeners and people that are, you know, working in your field that may just be starting out and things of that nature. Like what are some best strategies to help them uh, not enable um you know our babies and things of that nature that are dealing with opioids and like you said diabetes and cancer and things of that nature like what are some best strategies to help um you know foster positive a positive positive light in their life
2: um one is i hope families understand it ain't hard to not enable your baby like come on mom you 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 come in the office you, you tell me how You can't kick you ain't gonna kick your baby out on the streets. That's the last thing. You're gonna really be worried about him, right? You know, I know he engaged in addictive behaviors in the home and 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 all those things, but you're gonna be really worried about him. So it's really tough telling a family sometimes that um you gotta send them to a program, but she don't want him to be mad at her. You know what I mean? So it's it's tough in a lot of cases to to really help a family understand that enabling. How do I know if I'm enabling my baby or not? Because you telling me he shouldn't stay in the house if he's using. Yeah, I should send him to a program away from me and his sisters, his brothers. You know what I mean? Mom don't want the family to know about what's going on in most cases. Especially my black families that come in, African Americans, they don't they don't they don't want the whole family to know what's going on, first of all. So send them to a detox gonna kind of put everything on the table anyway. You know what I mean? But you know when you're enabling someone when you're doing something out of guilt, self-pity, or fear. When I first met my dad, we went to the mall. We went to the mall, and he brought some shoes. And he was he felt so guilty, he really offered me the shoes off his feet. He didn't even have them on for five hours. He said, Laurent, you want these shoes? I'm like, no, I don't want these shoes, man. I'm good. I'm you. You brought those. It's not when we got to my grandma's house when he said, do you want the hat on my head? Literally. And I'm like, he really trying to make up. He's feeling so guilty for 27 lost years, you know, and helping a family understand that it's tough not to enable. But when you're doing something out of fear, guilt, or pity, it's, it's tough. If I was to go into an addiction or addictive cycle, it'll be tough for my dad to, to not support me in my addictive behaviors. It'll be tough because he would be like, who am I to tell him what to do? I just came into his life. You know what I mean? So that would be an example of my dad enabling me out of guilt. You know what I mean? Like guilt that who am I? Like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't been there. Self pity too. I ain't been there for him. So the, the biggest thing is helping the family understand It's really keeping that hope alive and getting educated on that enabling aspect of the addiction piece of it. There's so much help out there. You know what I mean? No youth wants to get section 35. Like You know what I mean? A section 35 is when a family can go to the courts and mom can say he's engaging in addictive behaviors to the point it's, he's in danger of his life, and then the court and the judge can say, "I'm going to section you to treatment," and then it's mandatory for the youth to go to treatment for addictive reasons. And now that youth is so mad at mom, though, because she just sectioned me, right? The relationship damaged. That's why I come in and let's keep this repaired. While you in treatment, and mom over here going to her support groups. I know everything about recovery. My job is to educate them on the brain aspect of it. But why am I still going to family support groups every week? Why am I still attending all this virtual stuff? Because I'm still the son of an addict, right? You know what I mean? Back to the humbleness piece of it. And also the biggest piece is really helping the family understand. I know there's so much damage that's been done, but it's repairable. Mom, studies have shown that immediate relationships like you and your son have the most potential of rebuilding after things like this. And and it's grasping that and helping them understand that um there's help for that. And there's mothers that's going through the same thing too. You know what I mean? And they want to hear from you. You know, so um groups like Al-Anon, Learn to Cope, Naranon. You even got Alatine for the teenagers that got addicted to dopes as parents and families. You know what I mean? So um all these support groups, man, it's helping them understand um. It's tough not to enable. I understand, um, but but your baby's life on the line, so let's get them help now. If my dad was to relapse, I'm sectioning him. I'm sorry. That's a resource and a tool I can use <laughs> to support his recovery. Call it how you wanna. I know about tools and resources. I didn't know them, but now I know. Why would I lose them again? Like you know what I mean? <laughs> you know. So it's one of those
0: things. I dig that. That's what's up, man. I dig that. That's that's good. I didn't even know about uh, what, what section. What was it? Section
2: section. So we got a section 35 is for the recovery and addiction aspect. Section 12 is mental health. So when you go to the court, same aspect and you say difficulty coping with mental health. self in, in my and more of my cases, self harm. You know what I mean? Pain it's easier to feel yeah. than emotions, you know what I mean? And and that's where self-harm comes in with my youth that are struggling with, you know, mental health, you know, depression, you know, and, and things of that nature. Ron, I'm so depressed and I can't cope with these feelings of depression and and, and it's, it's overwhelming. So self-harm, ow, pain. I'm not thinking about this, the depression I was just thinking about. I'm in pain, ow, it hurts. You know what I mean? And that pain subsides and the depressive feelings arise again back to the circumstances and then they harm again, you know, and and, you know, there's so many people out there that say, why are you doing these things? That youth got issues. No. It's an unhealthy coping mechanism youth engage in, especially youth that are in recovery. That they engage in, you know what I mean, to escape. You know what I mean? A. It, when I first start off the, 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 the seminar with my family, I say, using drugs work, drinking alcohol work. <laughs> and I pause and I, and I look at all the faces for like five seconds. You know, but I say, but the issue is because that's why they're doing it. it. It's helping them escape. But the issue, family, is immediate gratification results always in long term consequences. I want to escape this reality now, 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 now. I don't want to pick no tools up. I don't want to pick up a phone. If I can get the immediate gratification by engaging in addictive behaviors, I can be okay. But immediate gratification in anything always results in long-term consequences. And that's where we try to teach our youth. Let's let's help build that suitcase full of coping skills so you don't have to rely on immediate give you a frame to think you just need one minute give you a one minute time frame to think about the next decision so you can break that cycle
0: i love that that was good that was good that was good immediate gratification say it one more time
2: immediate gratification always results in long-term consequences
0: Immediate always. Gratification. And always results in learn long term consequences. I love it. I love it. Dante, come on, bro, jump in,
1: man. He he's speaking. He's speaking. Um, uh, some deep stuff over there, man. Um, yeah. So so for our listeners out there, um, who who's because we're we're talking about um addiction and triggers and mental health and things of that nature. So for our listeners out there, this is very important. This is why we have class in session so you can be educated on this piece. This guy works with families in the schools and as well as he does his own foundation. So uh, my my question for you, um, Ronald is, so how many kids are really suffering from this? Like, cause you said age 12. So for our listeners out there and parents who might be listening, even teachers, keep this in mind. He said this starting at age 12. So that means in middle school, kids are already battling addiction so what is something that teachers or educators how how can they be more aware of this or is there any what i say uh is there any triggers you can that a teacher might pick up on to help them with kids who are battling addiction that's in the classroom because we know this is happening right now
2: right 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 And i like how you said triggers i'm shocked we ain't say that word this whole time we've been talking about this you know what i mean Man. and, and yeah. Triggers is big, man. Just, just that word and a lot of families think if you having triggers, that means my baby not going good at his recovery. Ron, he just say he having urges, cravings, and triggers over there. He told me he got triggered last week. And I'm like, wow, that's normal. Like It's just like the person that go on a diet that go to the barbecue. Like He had the family reunion. I know he on a diet, but you know what I mean? He thinking about eating whatever the case may be, but he didn't eat it though. He triggered but he didn't act on it though triggers are gonna happen we can't dodge triggers they're 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 meant they're like they're mandatory they're always going to happen you know what i mean and that's what we kind of teach them now how you cope with those triggers that's what comes after you know what i mean so w- triggers are always going to happen right another pause i do for the families let me tell you this families your babies your loved ones are going to always I mean, always want drugs or drinks the rest of their lives, but without motivation to seek it. So what I'm saying, family, is they're going to have triggers, urges, and cravings. Not that they're going to engage in them. They're normal, like the person that went on a diet. He went to KFC. Nobody want to blow the diet on the mac and cheese at a KFC. But I just went to the family reunion. My mama just made hers, though. I think I'm going to be a little bit more triggered. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for me to not engage on that trigger, urge, and craving. You know what I mean? So it's normal. And Dante, you asked about the the population and the percentage. There's probably 12 recovery high schools in the whole United States right now. They're launching recovery high schools right now, bro. High schools just for people in recovery. Literally, every kid there is in recovery, bro. They do AA. It's a regular high school, bro, Wow! but everybody's there in recovery. You know what I mean? So that recovery high schools are really filling up, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and it, it, it's so amazing because I'm like, they're getting it. Like recovery high schools, who would think a high school with 200, 300 plus students, about 12 in the U.S., and they're really, everybody there in recovery and their graduation is phenomenal. The way they do their graduations is phenomenal. It's like none other. Like you know what I mean. Especially they always have the perfect youth speaker to come up that graduated. You know to tell their recovery story. Cause these, some of these youth been through some stuff. Some of these youth have actually died, overdosed. You know what I mean, and came to. You know what I mean, and and um one of my saddest um you know stories with my youth is we had a youth that was just gonna walk the stage at Recovery High School. He was just going to walk the stage and he thought he can give it one more run, man. One more run. And he didn't make it. And his last Facebook picture was him in his recovery high school gown he just picked up. But he didn't make it across the stage. And I say this to say, man, relapse is possible. Relapse is a part of recovery. It doesn't have to be, but it's a part of recovery. We all fall. Families don't like when I say that about their baby. Like, but he learned last time, but we all fall, mom. Like, we all slip and fall. We just can't stay down there for long. Like I say, like, when boxers box, they get knocked down, too. That don't mean they're going to lose. They just can't stay down for long for the 10 count. They just got to be able to get up, you know, and then everything going to be good. But that's what we try to teach these families, man. Um, these recovery high schools is real big, man. Um, imagine them around uh, like Wade and Cali. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And um, it's going to be big.
1: So how, how many do y'all have where you at right now in Mass? Y'all see, so y'all got one in Mass?
2: In mass? We got, in mass, we got three. Wow. We got three in Mass.
0: We, we don't even have... See, down in Tennessee, wait, wait, we wait, don't wait, even three. have that. Y'all got, got three, three in recovery mass. high schools in Massachusetts?
2: Yeah, three in Mass. The main one in Boston, Austin guy. Yeah, we got three. Wow. We got three, okay. three recovery so, high schools.
0: So for you all to have three recovery high schools... That means that in Massachusetts, you all have a very, very high population. Is what I'm. Is what I'm getting. High population, right? high addiction
1: yeah. rate too, though.
2: High addiction rate. You know, what I mean, especially with opioids. Yeah, especially you with seen opioids. that
1: movie? Uh, what's that movie, The Town? You seen that? Yeah, yeah. I
2: seen The Town. That's where I around my way. Around, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So kind of like the backstory
1: yeah. on. that, I love that movie, yeah. by the way. But yeah. the Backstory yeah. on that. That's the story. Around 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 it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, three recovery high schools in Boston. Wow, or Massachusetts, excuse me.
2: Yeah, man, we got the um the St. Patrick's parade. It's, it's and you know we know St. Patty's all about drinking. You know what I mean? And um, it's 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 so much people out there, man. They walk up the roads. They got little duck boats coming out. Organizations on their duck boats, drinks after drinks and bottles, and um, then you see the recovery high school boat come by. You you just see everybody put down their drinks, and you see everybody run out in a row. And when everybody run out in a the row, they just congratulate the kids, saying "Keep it up!" Like you ain't you you on the right track. I'm talking like straight respect. You know what I mean? The whole atmosphere change when that recovery high school float come through, man. You know what I mean? And um, stuff like that is just. It's seeing stuff like that, man. You know what I mean?
0: Bro, that's good, bro. God, that's good, man. What? This why that's this is why we do this podcast. Like, for
1: y'all listeners out there, man. Like, this, this is why we're doing this. Like, this is why this is why class and session is here. So, for educators, for parents, like, he's dropping a lot of knowledge on the addiction portion that's going on. Like I said, we in the south and it's kind of swept under the rug like i said it's very swept on the rug as far as addiction and all that because it's a little most like up north and down south is a little bit different you know mm-hmm. so it's a it's a little more little most funk up the, down here so a lot of stuff gets swept under the rug man and just hearing about the recovery high schools is amazing like only thing we got here is like stem schools you know what i'm Same saying thing. ain't no, you know what i'm saying like ain't no recovery like I can remember my mom because my mom was a recovering addict and God bless the rest of her soul, she got clean. But I can remember her going to A meetings all the time. Getting up there, hey, my name is Renee Blase Blase. Yeah. To the point I used to, you know what I'm saying? I used to laugh and joke in school. Get up, you know what I'm saying? Hey, my name is Dante, and I'm at an you know what I'm saying? Just because you going so much and it's so deep, you know what I'm saying?
2: But man, wow. Like it's like, tough. Wow. Uh, just it's, wow. it's it's tough for our black community too you know what i mean because those cases be some of the toughest ones when you have a high school student that's mother is struggling from opiate addiction and my job is to meet with the families i do the family sessions so our family sessions and the the first question she asks is what are you using and and mom is like that don't matter um you know, we just we trying to build here. It does that even matter, the actual substance. And the youth is like, yeah, because if it's anything other than THC, you know, it's embarrassing to me. You know what I mean? And um, it's it's embarrassing. And the youth support meetings were facilitated at her school. They hosted them. So trying to get her to go to those, and then my friends are gonna know that my mother struggled with addiction. Then I'm gonna open up a door. It's tough sometimes, man. It's so I'd be like, Mom, I know it's tough to walk into those meetings because now you may meet somebody in the neighborhood that's at the same meeting and it kind of opened up the door to your business, you know what I mean? And um, it it just shows there's so much barriers to family even supporting their loved ones the right way, and that's by getting educated, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm I'm glad I got educated because imagine if I would have grew up in not got into this field. My perce- my perception would have been addiction's a choice. My dad chose addiction, he chose to leave me. And then when I would have got that amazing opportunity when he walked up on me, I wouldn't have capitalized on it. But it's like God said, let me equip you with this education piece. How ironic he walk up on me when it's my job to educate families that this ain't no choice. This is a disease. You know what I mean, and um, it's 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 big, and I and I thank God for that. You know what I mean, because He equipped me, you know, uh, for that day, you know, for Him to walk into my life that way, so I can welcome Him with open arms instead of saying, "Man, I'm a I'm a grown up." My dad actually first time meeting me was at my NFL All Star Game, NFL All Star Game down in Miami at Florida International University. I remember like it was yesterday. First time, you know what I mean. So a lot of people say. He only showed up because he knew about that gang. Whoop-de-whoop. Whoop. But I don't believe that because I never seen my dad. I never heard his voice. You know what I'm saying? I never talked to him. You know what I mean? Like, So that was the best day of my life. You know what I mean? So I, I really think about the purpose and the calling. And when you find the gift, and the purpose, you know, that's all you got to focus on and keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You know what I mean? In the midst. So it's, it's one of those things, man. I'm, I'm blessed, man.
0: I love it, bro. I love it. Wow, man. That's amazing, bro. God, that's amazing. Um before I ask you the next question, we got to we got to take a break. We got to pay some bills real quick. Um and then we'll get back into it. Listen, guys, this is the Class in Session podcast. I need you all to do three things for us, okay? I need you to like, subscribe, and comment. All right? I'm going to say it one more time. I need you to like, Like. subscribe, and comment, all right? And if you feel like, listen, bro, I love the podcast. I love what they're doing. I love the value that they're adding to the community. I need you to share it with your network, all right? Share it with your people. Share it with the people in your community, all right? Let's have a discussion. Let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about the education space. Let's give our teachers flowers, all right? Let's give our mental health. And DCF uh people, let's give them their flowers. All right. So again, I need you to like, subscribe, and comment. All right. And make sure you subscribe to the make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's important, all right? Because we want to continue to add value. All right. This is the class of session podcast. All right. So, Ron, let me ask you this, bro. What is one piece of advice you would give to that you would give to someone? Um, that's wanting to start out um, in your uh, career and doing what you do?
2: Um, One piece of advice is meeting them where they at. Meet the youth where they are. You know what I mean? And meeting them where they are, the example I kind of give to the families is in in my youth, in in my adults too, (laughs) that get up one day, that get up one day, and say, I'm leaving treatment. I'm, I'm 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 leaving today. I'm signing out. I'm done. You know what I mean? My youth don't have that luxury, though. You know what I mean? The family's got to do it. But my adults, you know, they can sign themselves out. So one of the biggest advice is meet them where they're at. And the first thing I always tell them is, hey, I ain't trying to stop you. It's not my job to stop you. Like, we just talked about at the beginning of the podcast how that's impossible. My job is to equip you you know, with some skills and the tools, you know, so one of the biggest pieces, meet them where they are. Your job ain't to save them. We can't save them anyway. It's only one person that can save them. Your job is just to use your gift to equip them. You know what I mean? And and to help them walk into their gift, their purpose, and, and their calling too. Because we was once young. You know, my mom used to tell me, baby, go this way. If you go this route, you become more successful, more productive society, but I still went that way. you know what I mean and and it's it's just meeting where meeting them where they are you know helping helping them inherit a a, a healthy process you know what I mean picking up a marrying a healthy process kind of like I put it with them you know so that's the biggest advice I give families,
0: okay. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love that, bro. This is, bro, this is a really, really good, uh, bro, you really dropping gems, bro. Like, I really love this episode. Like, this episode um, and what we're doing right now, like, you are really, really dropping gems. And I, I love every bit of it, bro. Like, just for you to, like, really unpack, right? Like, to unpack some of the things and reveal some of the things that you know especially like dante said being down south it's being it's being swept under the rug right like it's being talked about behind closed doors but it's like yo you can't you can't really put it out there so i really think that that you know the information that you're providing to our audience to our listeners i think that that's man i think it's amazing bro it's so so good like you talked about there are three things that parents do right they do it out of fear guilt And you said, what was the what was the third one? Pity. Pity. Right. You're enabling your kids out of pity, guilt and fear. And I think that that's important, Brad, to be able to help. You know what I'm saying? Our community or our our parents with their with their babies and things in age to help them identify those things. Right. So that that way we can change the narrative. So I really, really think that this is good, man. Dante, what you got? You got your hot seat question. You want to ask me a hot seat question?
1: yeah we going we're gonna do it a, a different um since he's he's more on the counselor end so um with it being re- recovery high schools um is there a number or value you think you can place on teachers being in a recovery school because like i said most times you know what i'm saying we all know teachers are under educators social studies math teachers whatever everybody's underpaid. Do you think there's a number across the country that could make this more intriguing? You know, like I know a lot of people don't like to be in the trenches, dealing with kids in that aspect. So do you think there's a number that could basically increase the talent pool to make it look better for for individuals to step into this
2: field and step into the education field? Um, not necessarily. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh, not necessarily," and and I got a good point because, like we said, our teachers are are very underpaid, especially recovery high schools. You know what I mean? Um, we were just talking about how they don't get paid like I don't think they get paid the average like the average teachers. You know what I mean? These things are just kind of lunching, you know. So I'm pre- I'm pretty sure it takes more funding and things of that nature too. You know, so so with that with that being said, I I really think no number can really be put on it because. Teachers may be the most underpaid, but they some of the biggest leaders in our community with our youth. They right there. You know, and one of the biggest top 10 attributes of leadership is doing more than getting paid for anyway. You know what I mean? And that kind of puts them at the top of leadership. You know what I mean? Somebody that's really trying to do more than get paid for. You know what I mean? And there's teachers in a system that don't even complain about the pay and they know they're not getting enough. You know what I mean? So it's 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 really helping helping understand. We I don't think we can really put no number on that. Um teachers need to be paid more though. You know, I, I really know that because pe- teachers have a, a, a tough job. And um uh, when I speak to the teachers, I help them understand how tough their job is. And I and I use an analogy if I got time to share it. Um, bro, do I, your thing. I,
0: bro, we got more than enough
2: time. Do your thing. Bro, I, I come in, I got a little blue poster, it's real small because I don't want them to see the back. And I I ask them, I say, this is how tough it is. This is what goes on in the school system. And I want to teach you what goes on in five minutes, I tell them, so they intrigued. So they say, okay, show us what we do to the youth that hurts the youth in five minutes. So I come in with this little poster and it's blue, It's real small, probably about this wide. And I ask everyone, what color is this poster? And I hold it up in front of my face. They can't see my face. And they say it's blue. I say, okay. I do this analogy for 10 minutes. Because I want to get them frustrated. I know they're going to begin to judge me. I've asked them how what color is this blue poster almost 15 times by now. I put it in some of their faces and say, what color is this poster? And they look at the... It's blue. what will get to the point. Through the lines, you hear people saying, This guy's silly. What's going on here? Why, what are we doing here? I mean, they judging me. You hear it all. I had people leaving. People even left. Like they got up and left. That's how bad it was. So I asked them one more time when I walked back up to the front and said, What color is this poster? One more time. Frustratedly, they yelled blue. Bro, all I did was turn it around. It was red on the other side. I I just kept telling them, I don't see blue. They kept saying, it's blue. What are you talking about? I kept saying, no, it's not. I, I, I don't, it ain't blue. What color is it? They kept saying, it's blue. You don't know what you're talking about. I was just on the other side of the perception, bro. But before, before they opened their mouths and they said, asked, Ron, help me understand. Why you act this way? Or you see something different. They judged me first. They told me I ain't know my colors. This silly. They walked out on me. I was right. I ain't see blue. I was right. I seen red, but they told me I was wrong. Actually, we both was right. And get it, we both was right. We just came from different sides, and it's really helping the the, the, the teachers understand that. You got to ask the youth, help me understand, learn their culture, get, get culturally diverse and, and, and really help them help learn how to understand why someone may act the way they act. Help me understand why you feel this way. Help me understand why I to make friends. Help me understand why you engage in these behaviors. Because what that youth going to do is just simply teach a turn the post around and say, because this is how I see things. But that's an important question. Help me understand. I love asking youth that question, especially when it's during a behavioral intervention. Help me understand. I'm not judging you. Help me understand why you act the way you act. I I just want to know. You get so much information from that question, teachers, just by asking that question. You know, but don't judge them because they just on the other side. They don't see what you see. And that's okay, though but they can help you understand why they see something different. They just gonna turn it around, you know? So that's how I help the teachers understand that um we really be judging our youth, man. And, and before we actually understand why they do the things they do, engage in addictive behaviors at the age of 12, not finding out that mom and dad engaged in those addictive behaviors and mom and dad was the main enabler that kind of started this. It, it goes on and on the most severe, the most severe cases I got. You know what I mean? So, um, really helping the teachers got to help understand before we judge. And, um, I think that's more important to, to really educate teachers on, you know, in, in workshops and groups and where we come in and, and uh, organizations to educate them on that, um, outside of the, the, the pay and things of that nature and the educational stuff. But
1: mm, that's good. That's, 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 that's that's really good. I um, That's a that's a unique perspective on that. Most people always we ask that question, and most people jump to money or passion. We had um, we had a lot of different answers, but we haven't had that one. And I really like the leaders. That leaders' point of view of leaders always do more than what they're paid for anyway, which is basically sacrifice, which is true. So I I really like that. Um, you you vary on the opposite end of your, of your boy over here, Low. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he, he, he he on the high end <laughs> over there. You know, he you want to make sure he go straight to the middle boy. class. Um, but like I said, that that perspective that that was that was really good, man. I, I ain't gonna lie. Come on, Low.
0: Listen, man. I'm bro, I'm bro, I'm just my my cup is full, man. Like, I'm just really, 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 bruh. So um, grateful, man. I'm I'm so Great grateful, bruh, for what you do, bruh. Because like I said, the information that you're dropping, the questions that we asking you, like you're talking about a Section 12, you're talking about a Section 25. Like, those things are important, right? Like, I didn't even know Section 12 meant mental health. I didn't even know what a section, like section 25, like I didn't even know, was, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, section 35, excuse yeah. me, section 35, like I didn't know those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, you touching on those information, touching on those things and t- and giving that information, like, bro, that's, that's amazing, bro. My, my cup, like I yeah. said, my cup is full, man. And I, I yeah. love it, bro. I love what you do, bro. Again, you know, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. But before we get out of here, um, I need you to do two things for us. Uh, first, I need you to let people know how they can get in contact with you. Um, and then the second thing I would like for you to do is to leave our listeners uh, with some motivation and then we'll we'll get up out of here.
2: Um, number one way you can find us is on Ron Burgess Jr. Um, Right there, man, you can find all our workshops. We got four workshops right now. Um the workshops explained, um, talk about what they do in them. Um and you can also book one of our programs as well. We got three programs right now going. Um, you know, so you can find us from burgess junior foundation.org. Um and we also got a podcast too, man. Like you know what I mean? Like you guys, um, that's youth motivation podcast, uh, which you can find um on Apple, Spotify. We actually just hit one one hundred and twenty-eight. Um, education for kids. You know what I mean. So um, we keep going up and down, up and down. It's just trying to keep it up. Um, Salute to
1: y'all. Salute y'all, man.
2: Really trying to keep it up, and um, you know, with that. But that's that's the main ways, and um, to to leave leave the listeners the listeners with something. Um, the main skill, the number one skill. People always ask me, what's the number one way to help a youth in addiction outside of getting, you know, educated on recovery and addiction not being a choice. It's a skill called motivational interviewing. It's called motivational interviewing. And, and motivational interviewing is a, a skill to help assess youth and meet them where they are. You know, and motivational interviewing use uh, an acronym called ORS. It's O-A-R-S. That's how you can remember motivational interviewing. O-A-R-S. So first you want to start by asking open-ended questions. No yes or no questions. All open-ended questions. All right. You're getting a lot of information. You know, tell me more about mom. You know what I mean? Help me understand why you X, Y, and Z. All right. Well, mom was in an addiction, and you know, mom, mom kind of beat me. All right. All right, help me understand why will mom beat you. You know what I mean? Well, mom was an addiction. You keep okay, you know what a little bit about mom's addiction. Yeah, granddad was struggling, then we keep going and digging deeper and deeper. With open-ended questions, you know, and then the R comes in from the reflective listening because you're listening now, but you got to be reflectively listening because you about to hit them with the S and to summarize everything to make sure they understood that you were listening. And so it's the open-ended questions. Once they get done, obviously we got the A. We all know what the A is: affirmations. That must have been tough. I can only under, I can only understand if I was in your shoes, how I would have felt. But that's so amazing how you still standing tall, though. You know, and so that affirmation comes after the open ended questions, you know, and then you got the reflective listening. You know what I mean? Where you really just really re-summarizing things up, saying it sounds like you had a tough upbringing, which he did. You reflectively listened. He told you everything he'd been to. It sounds like it was tough to get through it. You know what I mean? And S is just really summarizing that thing up and coming up with a solution to help him make the next step. But it's called motivational interviewing. And it's the number one skill to help a youth in recovery. And it's getting information. Kind of like my mom's. If you're yelling at you and he's upset that you sectioned him. He's upset that or an adult being kicked out of the house by the wife. They're yelling at you, yelling at you. Why are you upset? Do you know how much information you're getting right now? Do you know how much information you're receiving right now to support them right now? They said you don't listen. They said life is tough sometimes. They said how it's too overwhelming. So the number one thing I educate people and take away from this is get educated on motivational interviewing. You know, it's really a strategic skill to really get a lot of information. You don't have to only do this with youth and recovery. You can do this at your home, asking asking your child open-ended questions, praising them for the difficult challenges they endured that day, and and really empowering them through motivational interviewing, but getting a lot of information so you can support them Though, You know what I mean?
0: Okay. All right, bro. So student, I'm sorry, youth motivational interviewing interviewing yep all right listen guys y'all heard what he said he said aura you want to break that down one more time what what does it stand for
2: open-ended questions affirmations reflective listening and summarizing
0: listen you want to get information from your kids he just gave you the game all right so listen guys before we get out of here listen guys listen 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 you're interested in learning about recovery, mental health, you wanna know more information, please get in contact with my guy, Ron, okay? Make sure you all reach out to him, make sure you connect with him, um, so that that way we can change the narrative and help our babies, all right? All right, guys, so listen, this is the Class In Session Podcast. I am your host, Logan Taylor, my amazing co-host, my brother, my partner in crime, Mr. Dante Hampton. And in closing, like always, like we always say, why be normal?
1: Well, you can be extraordinary. All
0: right, guys. We'll talk to y'all soon. Peace. Love y'all, man. Talk to y'all soon.